Would you like to be part of the next generation of mindfulness meditation instructors? We invite you to take a unique opportunity to earn your teacher certification with Jack Cornfield, Tara Brock, and some of today's leading mindfulness meditation instructors. To get the training you need to guide others in their journey, visit BeHereNowNetwork.com slash get certified. Hi, everyone. One, two, three. It's just one, two. Me and Ramdas here for Ramdas Here and Now, another episode, one of our enchanting Sunday afternoons. And um, my horrible dogs are barking away to start this whole thing off. I'm so sorry. But. Um, they're not horrible. Yes, they bug me when I just they're quiet all day, and then suddenly I have, I'm talking to you, and they start barking. It's like, oh, give me a break. <laughs> Hi, nice to see you. We haven't seen each other since I came back from India uh, a couple of weeks ago, almost. And hello. Yes. So, um, Ramdas, before. We get into yes. uh, our little chat. I want to tell you something. I'm not even sure if you know this, but uh, we have a, a new partner that we're introducing that's a partner with uh, the Be Here Now Network, which this podcast resides on, and it's uh, they're helping us by virtue of helping sponsor what we're doing. It's our first partner in this area. And their name is 1440 Multiversity. It's a brand new, uh, it's, well, it's not that brand new. It's a, uh, maybe a couple of years old. And it's in the Santa Cruz Mountains area. It's a beautiful facility in which they host uh, all of our many, many, many friends who teach around the country, around the world. Uh, Krishna Das is going out there next weekend, actually. Um, uh, Mirabai Bush has been there, and Jack Cornfield, all of the people that we uh, hold dearly for all these many years. And they do workshops and retreats there, and it's just a beautiful landscape. So you get the best of both worlds. You know how beautiful it is out in Santa Cruz. And so. Yes, yes, yeah. And the, the nice thing is, they're. <laughs> we are so beautifully aligned in terms of our values with 1440 and what we do at Be Here Now to, to be able to get out and share the different aspects and varieties of truth as, as from different traditions and share that with people. So we're happy to have 1440 aboard as a partner. I wanted you to know that, and of course I want everybody out there to know that as well. It's 1440. Yep, 1440 Multiversity. And people, uh, you'll be able, you just go to uh, BeHereNowNetwork.com slash Ramdas Here and Now, and you'll be able to link up and take a look at what they do. So, 
I just got back from India, as you know, and um, God, I mean, you know, I have to hand it to you that all those many, 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 many years ago when I asked you about going to India after I'd heard you talk about Maharaji, and you said at the time, well, I am going back, but I don't know where he is, and I can't tell you who he is. <laughs> but if you, when you come to India, do go ahead and write to me at this address, which is probably Care of American Express or something in, in Delhi, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. And you did. We maintained a lovely little correspondence for the first few months because at that time you could not find Maharaji. He disappeared, and you ended up at a Buddhist meditation course, and I ended up at the Sri Aurobindo ashram. And oh, yeah, you remember that whole thing. And uh, and of course, you met the famous bus story where you met Maharaji, uh, quote unquote, by accident. <laughs> at the uh, <laughs> confluence of the Ganges and the Yamuna and the Saraswati rivers in Allahabad at the Mela grounds. And uh, the rest is history. But right after that, of course, you did get in touch with me. Actually, we met up at uh, Swami Muktananda's ashram, and then off I went to Nainital. And the first thing that happened to me was I met, uh, per your introduction, the Shah family, in particular, of course, in this case, it was M.L., and then later K.K. and S.L., uh, M.L.'s brother. And so this trip, I have to, you know, thank you again, because this trip that we went on, me and my my buddies, uh, Krishnadas and Ramesh and Mohan and others, but uh, we were just absolutely warmly welcomed in every house that you and I and others have ever been in in India like time stopped and th they just totally embraced us in every place that we had gone wherever we went from Kenshi where we were with Maharaji to the Shah family, to the Evelyn Hotel, the historic Evelyn Hotel with that picture of all of us on the balcony there. Every place, it was as if we had gone back to that same period of time. Everyone looks a little bit older. Even Amar Singh, right, who <laughs> served us at the hotel, <laughs> he's still there. So uh, we just had this incredible trip, uh, uh, really around family. It was just extraordinary, and, uh, uh, you know, we thought of you much during the trip, all of us, and, uh, and you know, just being able to see Sidi Ma there, and uh, it was just a fantastic journey. So, we're all pretty high from that trip, and uh, I, uh, I just wanted to share a little of that with you, and... I want to share something else, too. And this is something that... This was sent to us to uh, last week. I'm, I'm finding it right now. Hang on. Uh, 
this was uh, is a, a an article, and it's really someone's uh, accounting of something that happened with you many, many, many years ago. It's a man named Mitch Ditkoff, and, and actually the blog that he wrote is on ramdas.org, so people can go up there, but I'm sure that you haven't yet seen this, and I wanted to just... Um, I wanted to read you a little bit of this. It's really exceptional. Um, somebody went to one of your lectures, and we're talking, uh, I mean, I think in the early 70s, it must have been, something like that, long, long, long time ago. And it was at that time when, you know how you used to go on and on and on until very late at night or even early in the morning? And you would say to people, all right, well, anybody who wants to go now, you know, now's a good time to go. You know, you can go let the babysitter go. Uh, and so people would leave. And then there would be part two, he'd say, which went deeper. If part one was Spirituality 101, part two was graduate school, complete with <laughs> astounding stories about the blanket-wearing Neem Karoli Baba. And, uh, and after another hour, you would inform the audience that there was going to be yet another break, the perfect time for anyone to leave who had to get home for any reason. So another bunch of people left, leaving about half of the original audience in the hall. The hardcore <laughs> people who weren't going to leave until Ramdas himself left or hell froze over, whichever came first. You remember those days. Uh, part, yeah. part three went even deeper. A magical mystery tour into various nooks and crannies of the spiritual adventure that all of us were on, no matter what path we walked. And then, as the midnight hour approached, with a sly smile and a slow bow, Ramdas walked to the front of the stage, removed the garland of flowers that adorned his neck, and one by one began tossing flowers into the audience. His gesture of recycling some of the love that had been directed at him all night. Immediately, most of the audience stood up and began reaching. Ramdas continued to toss. When he turned in my direction, I had a decision to, to make. Do I stand and join the people standing all around me? Or do I simply sit, cross-legged, where I was, hands on my knees in classic mudra position, thumb and index finger joined, my other three fingers extended palm upwards to the sky? Content as I was, free of need, I did not move. I just sat there watching Ramdas toss another flower. It was yellow, and I could see it coming towards me in slow motion. It seemed a kind of time-lapse photography of my life. The closer it got, the more people reached for it, everyone wanting a memento of the evening. I continued sitting my ground. Looking up, it felt as if I was living in a giant pinball machine, the many arms above me all at different levels, Flippers poised for action. The tallest person near me was the first to touch it, but when they closed their hand, they missed, and the flower continued its descent. A second person reached, and then a third, in a succession of seven, each failing to catch the object of their desire. 
I did nothing. I just sat there, watching, both of my hands open on my knees. And then, with absolutely no effort, not a millimeter of adjustment to the falling object from the sky, the flower landed perfectly in my right hand, bright yellow petals facing upward to the sky, just like that. This, so he says, this little story happened to me 44 years ago, but it feels like yesterday. And why? Because the lesson I learned was a timeless one. And, and herein lies the crux of, our, uh, of what I want to talk about. What, he said, what kind of effort do I need to make in life? What does it take to accomplish what it is I want? For most of my life, I have made a ton of effort, standing tall, reaching for what I want. Effort, I have reasoned, is what it takes to accomplish my goals. Effort and tenacity and a whole lot of perseverance. Who can argue with that? Read the lives of anyone who's ever made a difference in the world and you will discover they made a tremendous amount of effort. Makes sense. True. I get it. But there are times when the garden variety of effort human beings make will not suffice when trying and reaching and grasping actually get in the way. More than often than not, just the wind of your reaching will be enough to push it further away. Bold reaching doesn't always work, nor does grasping. Sometimes we need to let things come to us. Sometimes we need to simply strike the pose of receiving and trust the process of our life. That's how the flower landed in my hand. And he goes on from there a little bit. I just thought this, this is such a great article. I wrote this uh, Mitch back and just said, boy, can we put this up? Uh, this is something great to share on ramdas.org. And uh, you know, he, of course, was thrilled and uh, happy to share through, th- uh, through, the <coughs> through our site. Um, yeah, effort is a tricky, tricky, tricky thing, is it not? I mean, yeah. everywhere, I mean, we, when we were in India, just referring back, and, uh, you know, we spent time with a few different people, and... Um, uh, one in particular was, was uh, there was a constant advisal to practice, 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 because people were asking, "How do we achieve unity? How do we achieve uh, absorption? How do we achieve devotion?" You know, all of those questions. There were some young people with us, and so that was primal, uh, prime in their minds. And and uh, and the f- so practice, practice, practice. And you yourself talk about that. Maharaji talked about that. You know, he would say, "Practice and wait for grace." So, effort. What is your take on on the delicacy of how you deal with trying? Try effort. 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 In in your sadhana, 
it's good to read good to make an effort but when you're in your ego and you you are wanting things that effort is it's of the mind it's It takes you away from your sadhana. I express effort to contact Maharaji. That's my sadhana. But sometimes too much effort, it affects your perception mm. and you can't hear the problem or you can't hear your sudden. And then I think that we be and we can't do things and effort is with doing. Maybe you say, I'm efforting my, my being, but I don't, I can't effort. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you now, you're in a different place now than you were in many years ago. And in fact, when you were just meeting Maharaj, well, even before that, well, you were, uh, you know, a real doer before that. You were excelled at yeah. school and became a professor, and y you were certainly a major doer. 
and then you met Maharaji, and you were taught many of the things which formed the backbone of what you shared when you came back to America. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, and there's certain, and then post that, even into the 70s, even into the 80s, I mean, you did major meditation courses and Zen courses and uh, a lot of self retreats and so on. You were, you put a lot of effort out there back <laughs> back in the day, for sure. But at the same time, you used to talk, and I remember, of course, all of this about the place from which that effort, as you are just saying right now, the place from which that effort, that uh, perspective, it was carried through, it was executed. And um, I, I think that's the delicate nature, is it not? It's, it's where the expectation, of course, of reward, it's just like sitting meditation, right? You go and you sit. Yeah. Oh Christ! Nothing's happening here. I mean, Jesus, Christ, mind is just going on, and I don't even know why I'm sitting here. Why did I, you know, all of that? You're the the expectation, uh, and that's on the grossest of planes. Of course, it can be way more subtle than that. Those kind of expectations, they're coming from a perspective that, as you said, is is uh, from ego, and in that sense. Uh, it can be, uh, I don't know if counterproductive is the right word, but it certainly can be very um, limiting in terms yes, of... Yes, it is. It is. It is the right word. Hmm. Hmm. How did you deal with it, though? You know, uh, if you can recall back then, especially those very intense meditation courses and, and time in, in Burma, you know, that you spent with seeing yourself. Uh, I think you even had experiences that you talked about with the, where the instructor or the teacher would, would really address that in you, your need for accomplishment and so on. Yeah. 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 I I never accomplished because you uh, accomplishment you have to get a goal. Yeah. And I just see sadhana going along, going along, and I, what, you, you have, what, where you're at, where you're at, you delve down to where you're at. The sadhana is uh, 
is getting into the moment. And it's true that I, I effort that. Yeah, I think, I think looking back, I, I, I've had, my life has been effort, effort, effort. And now, but I can now, it's effort on of sadhana. Meaning? Meaning. Or, or are you saying maybe the, the Buddhist concept of right effort? Yeah. Yeah. Which, dharmic effort. Dharmic effort. Dharmic effort. Yeah, that's it. I like that. Yeah. Dharmic effort. I'm writing down. <laughs> yeah. I think that, that that's exactly what Mitch in his article, I think, was referring to because in that moment he had a little bit of a satori, you know, being with you in that talk and then sitting there and not. Um, giving in to his temptation of grabbing that flower that you threw and just sat there. As much as he wanted it, he let that go. He still, of course, that desire was there, but he didn't follow it. He did not follow it, and then it ended up in his lap. And, uh, and it became a symbol for him of, of what he has done in his life in terms of effort and... Um, and, and, and he would probably agree that dharmic effort, that which within you is not chasing that desire, is not expecting a result. It's, it's, it's yeah. your dharma. There is nothing else for you to do. So, yeah, yeah I think that's a, I, I love that term. Expecting results yeah expecting results it's hard to let go of that especially for westerners how many times have you talked about that in talks over yeah. many years yeah very very yeah. difficult yeah. we grow up yeah. with the whole competitive nature of things and high expectations of, of results and so on and it's it's unlearning all of that is part of sadhana for sure I mean I was so uh, you know we were yeah. in India Krishna uh, and I we did a podcast last weekend actually just kind of talking about our trip a little bit and so on and um, and we realized how little our efforts I mean, we didn't say it quite like this but this conversation that we're we're having i'm kind of reflecting that that really was a part of what we were talking about 
how little our efforts have played a role in unraveling the stuff that keeps us from completely merging into that thing we call Maharaji, <laughs> as Suri, Lama Suridas would call the big Maharaji, that which is uh, beyond duality, and in, in that love. And, and yet, and I think a key thing that you said earlier, just a, a few minutes ago, you have to be where you are at. You have to accept where you are. And, uh, and things, I think, uh, once th that allows you to be in the moment. I think that's what you were saying, right? Here yeah. it is. And, and I also, I'm, I'm, my efforts Well, they aren't giving it over to Maharaji because he does most of the things in my life. And and I just listen to him and he might tell me what, what tell me I should put effort into a project mm. but I, I think it for me is giving it to Maharaji, giving it to Maharaji. So I don't be, I don't, I personally, I don't, I don't do effort. I, I I'm, he's telling me to put effort. So basically you're saying yeah. that that effort is not coming from your mind. That effort is coming from the deepest part of you, which is identified with Maharaji, and you are hearing that from, from yeah. that place. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. By the way, I... Maharaji and I meet in a room in my consciousness <laughs> and that that room is called it's called Imagination, mm. imagination, and so I, I without my, is 
in that room in the imagination, he and I talk. And my mind gets into, it's a, is it my imagination or is he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he he's right, right here. And, but that's my mind. And I just, in, in that, in that imagination room, I talked to him. That brings, yeah. that brings up something, actually, I wanted to talk about, too. I'm glad you, you brought that up. Um, and this is sort of a little bit of a preview of what we're going to be doing in, uh, in Maui at the retreat in a couple few weeks, um, o- Open Your Heart in Paradise, that we do every begin, you know, right after Thanksgiving every year. And, um, and, this, and we always have a theme, and, and this particular theme is called the trusting heart, is the theme of, of this retreat. I usually talk to uh, you about this <laughs> when I see you there, but since you brought up this thing about I meet Maharaji in the room of imagination, and sometimes my mind goes, "Do I? Is this real?" Or you know, and then you let that go, uh, and you know that you're having a direct conversation. It's not a question. How do you let that yeah. go? How you let that go has a heck of a lot to do with trust, um, and and the subtitle of this whole deal, by the way, is called it's called uh, finding faith and love wherever you are. Good, right? Good. It's a good one. So good. Our friend, good, good, Mr. Cornfield, uh, came up with this uh, idea. See, a, a Buddhist. Faith and love, they're talking about. <laughs> We'll have to kid him about that, huh, when we see him. Um, the, the trusting heart-mind is filled with love and ever-renewed faith. And, and that seems to be a complete prerequisite for allowing a dialogue. And, you know, can I say out there to everybody, when, when you talk and we talk about Maharaji, that thing, Maharaji, I want to I want to objectify it a little bit. It's not the man in the blanket. That was a being that we relate to, be, and we knew in the physical body. That being is obviously uh, contacted thousands of people since uh, that body is gone, and uh, that being is part of the uh, uh, beyond duality beyond uh, rationality and uh, comes from the one and that's what you are talking about ultimately and it it, it does yeah. not need to take that particular neem karoli baba it you know it can be uh, christ it can be buddha it can be uh, whoever is uh, opened your heart in a way that it's never been opened before so um yeah, I think it. It. Uh, I think that's how you, without saying it, is it not true that when that thought comes to you, is this real? 
or am I, is this just some bullshit mental stuff that's going on? I'm talking, you know, when you talk about that room that's called imagination, it takes uh, a, a trust. Uh, so I think how important Ramdas is trust, developing trust from the from the get go. Uh, as soon as you realize there is a path, how important is is that trust that that en- engenders from the most intuitive place deep inside you? Well, I <coughs> trust is I think another name for faith. And I, and I, uh, I, I, what I do to many people is um, to, I tell them to ask Maharaji for faith. And that's like your heart is open to spirit. And and they will though there won't be doubts and doubts and doubts. I think that most people don't have faith and that's why that's why they they They, um, they don't get into the spiritual um, planes of consciousness. And faith or trust, it, that's the, the way you get there, the way you get there. And yeah. Uh, you remember what you used to say? We walked around India at one point. You got this little aphorism in your head. Uh, faith, no fear. Faith, no fear. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, but I do. Yeah. Uh, faith, no fear. Faith, yep. no yep. fear. 
But, uh, you know, in, in this little uh, thing that I just read that we put together with, with Jack Cornfield, the trusting heart-mind is filled with love and ever-renewed faith. So when you talk about getting to that place everybody gets to, and we have it all through our lives, it's called doubt. It's called uh, negative thoughts. It's called uh, disturbing emotions, whatever, however which one of these things comes in front of you in the midst of meditation or, or just daily life. Life, And I don't know how many times... I love your thing where you go, gee, how did I get here? <laughs> how did I get here? Yeah. And then surround that thought that doubt with love but as long as they with negative thoughts you love them mm. you just love them and that isn't that isn't such an it's 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 it takes effort ah <laughs> <laughs> uh. Dharmic effort. Dharmic yeah. effort, right? Effort and trust. You got to have trust that you are you are good inside. We are good. Yes. Remember Maharaji? One day uh, we were sitting in front of his window that he was inside his office in Kenchi. A few of us uh, with you. I'll never forget this. And you said... God, we are so impure to him. We, I, I can't take it anymore. You know, I don't know if you said it in so many words, but you definitely said we are so impure, Maharaji. And he looked at us and he went, and you, and he went, no, you're not impure. I let you peel potatoes, don't I? Do you remember that moment? I let you peel potatoes. You couldn't be peeling potatoes and preparing food if you were impure is what he was saying. And um, that's yeah. that's in all of us. You know, we feel bad about ourselves. We are always putting ourselves down. I mean, you know, this is uh, when I was just in India. You know, and I uh, getting I just I said earlier in the podcast that in getting this tremendous love and embraced by our family over there, one after the other, or and even new families that we were. Uh, sent over to have, uh, you know, host us for food and kirtan and all that. And, you know, and whenever I'd have any kind of down thought or negative thought, and I'd think to myself, oh, actually, Krishnas and I are both good at this. All these years, and you're still the same schmuck that you were before you started? Holy Jesus. <laughs> you know, so we all have that, you know, uh, judgment we are not. Yep. Uh, we are bad. We are not good, you know, because you see the the reflection of the mirror. And with Maharaji, of course, it was so extreme. And uh, yeah. and I think it requires that a deep trust. We are good inside. We are loving. We do want to uh, to be able to share in the way uh, that you've set an example for all these decades. Maharaji uh, 
told me to turn around in a circle. Uh-huh. And he was watching me and he said, I don't see any impurity. <laughs> That's funny. That's so great. I don't see any impurity. If we could only see each other the way he saw us, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, if we could only see ourselves. Yeah, right. Never mind anything else. <laughs> yeah, start there, exactly. Trust and dharmic effort. Yes. Um, so uh, one other uh, thing I just wanted to, to mention, and uh, I sent you a, a link uh, to this movie about this mountain yogi, which I believe you did watch. And uh, yep. I just wanted to uh, talk about effort. Holy Christ. I mean, geez. This guy, a 24-year-old Buddhist from India, though. He, was, he lives in nor- way up in the stark mountains of northern India, probably near the Chinese or Tibetan border or Nepalese. And at 24, he had just gotten married. And he knew his dharma was to go practice meditation. So he set out... He left everything, and he went into caves or or little huts in, in very, huts. very, yeah, huts in cold, cold weather with very little provisions. And, uh, I mean, at one time, they even said in, in the thing that he had really no food and, and, I mean, extreme deprivation and such difficult, difficult circumstances that he put himself into really following the uh, tradition of uh, Milarepa, who was the, yeah. the essence of great meditative yogi of Tibet. And then this film showed him coming out of this long, long, long period. I mean, he was, I don't know how old he was, you know, because people aged, doing what he did, he certainly aged uh, quicker. Um, But he came out because he realized he needed to share this, whatever this was. And and he said uh, his realization was about compassion. eh? He talked about that. But can you, what about the humility this man had? I mean, he, he was, you know, the way he talked, I mean, it was just extraordinary humility and generosity, huh? He, he walked on, on a road, he wasn't going anywhere, and people just came for blessings. I was, I was really blown away. What was your impression of him? I mean, it was quite a, an extraordinary look into a, an incredible being, no? Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we shy away from that tapas. Yeah, we uh, extreme extremes in like Maharaji. Yeah, going to he he was. He was meditating, and he wanted he be 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 away from people. 
and he went to the bottom of the lake and meditated there. <laughs> That's tapas. Yeah. <laughs> and it also it tapas uh, when you go into a cave and you are just alone, just alone. I remember when Haridas directed me to meditate in my room. I'd feel this was a hardship for me because because I wasn't social. I wasn't having any sex. There's a Sanskrit word for that. I can't think of it. Having to do with detaching yourself from yeah. Virag, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Mm. Yeah. And that, that yogi that you sent me that film, mm. when he was old or when he was older, It was the energy coming out from him was apparent to everybody. And everybody around him wanted his blessing. Just hand on top of the top of their heads was because of his sharing. That's you. You said. Yeah. I I think that through all of that tapasya and similarly. Maharaji, as you said, did all of that incredible tapasya in lakes, in caves when he was younger. Uh, and what comes from it? You know, many people think you get powers, siddhis. And of course, they do come from, from this kind of uh, yeah. utter detachment from duality. That seems to happen. But the primary motive 
that brings these people, uh, these beings out of caves is love and compassion. I mean, that's, that's all that there is once they have gone yeah. beyond duality. And that's, this, that's why it was beautiful to see in this film. You could see, and he said it. He said it's all about compassion. There is nothing else. And, uh, and you, could, you could see this. And, and, you know, and I, you know, without any direct references needed, we did meet somebody, have met somebody in India who also has spent tremendous amounts of time in caves uh, in, in Tapasya and similarly in, in, in different situations like that. And, um, and that you can see that the, the motivation is love and compassion. I mean, they, they, it all comes from that yeah. same place, that once you have gone through uh, this, uh, I think the word you were looking for, and I may be wrong, is Vairag, you know, is, is, is completely... Um, detaching uh, from um, any kind of, well, obviously, from attachment um, and uh, duality in general. And to get to, to, that's a very tough thing to do. That's tremendous <laughs> effort that <laughs> needs to go in there. Effort, dharmic effort, for sure, and tremendous faith. And, uh, and, and I suppose this is... Uh, you know, lifetimes and lifetimes, so many to get to the point where th there's that kind of uh, commitment and courage. I don't know what in the hell you 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 would call it, um, but it it, it yeah. Bod 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 bodhisattva. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all there is, you know. And uh, yeah, so to see this in a film was pretty pretty damn amazing. This this being so simple and humble, and he wasn't anything. You, you just uh, it was. Uh, by the way, everybody, that link, and I think we mentioned it in in the mind rolling podcast I did with Krishnas last week. Uh, the link is there, but we'll put it up on the here and now page of Ramdas. The link so you can watch uh, this extraordinary film uh, about this Lama. His name is Lama Govinda, which is interesting too, because Govinda, of course, is a Hindu name. And uh, I'm not quite sure how that all worked out, but uh, uh, do do take a look at this film. He, he was a Buddhist. Yeah. Named Lama Govinda. Yeah. As opposed to the Lama Govinda yeah. that was your friend who lived in um, where Almora back when we were in, first in yeah. India. Right? He was also yeah. a German uh, a Buddhist named Lama Govinda. So. <laughs> yeah. Dharmic effort, trust, faith, humility, and generosity. These are all um, wrapped up in one ball of wax, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That, that, that's... It's effort to to be that. Yeah. Yeah. Be that. Coming from the a place that's just not how we Westerners 
identify no. effort. I mean, it's very, very, it's, it's difficult. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Uh, oh, by the way, everybody, uh, you can, even though you may not make it or to Maui, which is a tough thing because it's far away from everywhere, uh, you will be able to stream we're going to talk about some of these same subjects uh, and expand on them further with uh, Jack Cornfield and Trudy Goodman and Krishna Das and Ramdas and myself and Mirabai Bush and yeah, we're going to have quite a uh, a lovely time and it's going to be live streamed from Maui. Uh, not everything, but a lot of it. On uh, let me see if I can get this right. Uh, November, the December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So you just go to ramdas.org uh, or and get on the mailing list so you, you'll get a, an invitation to it. It's all free, part of what Love, Serve, Remember provides. So, well, we're at the end of our podcast Ramdas I want to thank you I mean these are such total joy for me to just hang out you know what a what a great uh, yeah opportunity huh yeah I get as far as I'm concerned yeah. I'm 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 not very hang 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 Whatever long, I don't have my my. I'm just inside, and the outside is is way away from me. <laughs> Inconsequential, shall we say? Inconsequential, yeah. Yes. Well. Yeah. I I don't know. I think my, that's my age. Um. The age of my body, because I'm. I'm infinite. <laughs> I don't think it's the age of your body. I think, you know, from the first words that came out of your mouth when you first came back from India, it was about going inside and being inside and investigating inside and creating a trust and faith and love and compassion. So... I don't think it's any different. Uh, I th I think I see you these days when we're talking about effort. That the, there's way less effort. I don't think there's much effort going on uh, in in the moment yeah. to moment. So maybe that's a little different. But uh, yeah, I don't see it as as any different at all. So thank you for joining us today. Oh, and I I will uh, another commercial is for this wonderful new book it's you can't call it a book it is kind of like a magazine format it's a very you know just under 50 pages of beautiful artwork and all kinds of old photos from your 
history along with even uh, uh, letters to that you had written and little notes that you had written and uh it's just a wonderful um scrapbook that includes some of your key teachings on awareness and relationships and service and compassion and uh so that is now everybody you can go in and go to ramdas.org and you can order it. You'll see on... Oh, oh, boy. See? The dogs are taking over. They took over from the beginning and now they're taking <laughs> over at the end. Uh, go to ramdas.org. You'll see it there. And go to beherenownetwork.com slash ramdas here and now. And uh, everything we've been talking about will be available as a link on the page so you can uh, not have to search. We make it easy. And Ramdas, we shall uh, see you. Well, I'm going to see you soon. And Maui, and soon, soon, soon. Yeah, soon. So, uh, thank you again. Really, it's another wonderful opportunity to spend a Sunday afternoon. We do these Sundays. Uh, yeah. Sundays with Ramdas, and I'm going to cause you call. <laughs> so, thank you, everybody. Uh, we shall see you next week on Ramdas Here and Now. This podcast is brought to you by the Love Serve Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org. We appreciate you listening and we appreciate all the support that you've given us. Please continue that support and donate at Ramdas.org. We can then continue to share what Ramdas has been sharing for all of these years. Thank you.